situation is grave. Four armies are advancing upon us, and we would be hard-pressed to defeat one. I recommend surrender before we're annihilated. Mm, nah. Those armies are huge, but they each have a weakness we can exploit. For instance, that first one is comprised mostly of monsters. Heck yeah, you're right. All we have to do is scare some raw meat around and them monsters will rush to eat it. Then they'll eat each other. Let's see. Next is an army of phantoms created out of thin air. Quite a few of them, too. No problem. We got the Ghostbusters on call, so they can get rid of some phantoms as long as we pay for it. Then there's that horde of giant robots, oh. too. Oh, that's easy. I left a pile of Gundam series hooked on the large screens. They can't tear themselves away. Okay, okay, okay. Last one. The army of people with coins that fire magic at us. I just sent our horde of tax collectors out. Those coins won't be making trouble much longer. We now have a pile of hungry monsters fighting each other all over our land. The Ghostbusters need a containment unit that we haven't built for keeping all the phantoms they caught. Anime addicts who need their Gundam fix at all hours of the day or they start breaking things. And a bunch of coin collectors out for blood. <laughs> Sorry guys, I guess none of the ideas worked. Time for me to take a vacation! Have fun! Mom, are you okay? Mom! Come with me if you want to live. Theorizing that one could travel within their own lifetime, two old RP Gamer staff members stepped into the RPG Backtrack Time Accelerator and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the past, playing and talking about computer and console RPGs from the 80s right up to yesteryear, driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. Their only guides on this journey are other staff and players from RPGamer.com who they meet to help record podcasts that only their audience can listen and hear. And so, Phil and Mike find themselves leaping from game to game, striving to put right gaming backlogs gone wrong, and hoping each time that their next recording will be the one that leads them home. Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is number 108, Coins, Robots, Knights, and Phantoms. Oh my. Oh my. Yeah, I had to throw that in at the end there. <laughs> Uh, my name... Coins, robots, knights, and phantoms, oh my! Uh, my name is Phil Willis, and our other host is Mr... Not Phil Willis, like Mickey. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to be talking about Quartet of Isolated Tactical PS1 games. But one of them did get a port, and to help us do that this evening is the one, the only, Anna Marie Privating... Private Eye. <laughs> Private Eye! <laughs> Peon reporting in, sir. Ooh, I'll get to play that song now for the break, that Private Eye song. Oh, Private Eye. Hollow Notes. Hollow Notes. Yeah, Hollow Notes. Yeah. I love Hollow Notes. <laughs> Woohoo! 
I've created a monster. Yeah, buddy. But speaking of monsters. Monster. Lots of monsters tonight. There's a lot of things to talk about, so we're not going to banter around here. We're going to uh, let y'all listen maybe to some hollow notes. We'll see if I remember to actually record some hollow notes for the break. Um... Or some music from one of the... Private eyes are watching Private eyes are watching They see we are every move. Every single one. They also see that we need to take a break. So we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back with our main event. Hold on tight. Welcome back. We've got four games on our docket this evening, so we're going to jump right into it. This is the main event where we like to focus on a single game or sometimes a series of games that have something in common. What do all these games have in common? They're all really weird PS1 tactical games that you probably haven't <laughs> played. So uh, we're going we're gonna to tell you tonight whether or not you should go out and play them or just delete them out of your backlog. The first one up tonight is Vanguard Bandits, developed by Human Entertainment, published in North America by Working Designs. This was released in North America on April 29th, 2000. This is, of course, a single-player tactical RPG experience for your PlayStation 1 home entertainment system coming to you on two hot CD-ROM discs. I protect peace and candy! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think... Yes, yes, you. Everyone should do that while while eating a sucker. <laughs> I'm gonna double check real fast. I'm eighty eighty percent sure. I'm gonna make this a hundred percent sure. This is sitting on my PSP because it was on sale or something. I picked it up. Nope, I guess not. It's probably just sitting on my PSN account, and I didn't bother to download it. So I'm looking for you two to tell me tonight: Is this worth downloading onto my PSP? Did yes. both of you play this? I, I definitely did. I reviewed right it. It was one of my first reviews for RP Gamer. And you gave it I am <laughs> an out of 10 score? Yes, 8 out of 10. Ooh, wow. Out of 10, the way nature intended. Now we're out of 5. Yeah. Honestly, for our, the our love of no all that is holy, with IMDb. don't go back and read this review. <laughs> I'm noticing some broken images here. Hello, coding <laughs> issues. Um, there's a lot of first person in this review. Yeah, we we try to shy away from that whenever possible. It is. Was this before we actually uh, had proof proofing action going Um, on? It might have been. It was the vagrant story review. The the Vinny will break your knees one that basically after that we codified review standards. So this might have actually been before that. 
Hmm. But this was after the site stopped being the the unofficial Square Enix fan page. Yeah, I mean, this was yeah, this was 2000, so I'd already joined the staff, and uh, it looks like I had already built the review section because um, the layout of this review is the one that I created. Mm-hmm. How scary is that? 13 years ago. <laughs> Just saying. I've been here far too long. <laughs> well, all right. That, that warrants a whoa. Whoa. It'll be 14 in January. Yeah. Dang, man. Well, let's not put it off any longer. Let's do this proper. Let's start off by talking about the story. Um, so basically, you uh, it's a tactical RPG. So there's a little blurb beforehand. There is the story that goes on during combat. And then there's a, a postscript to each battle. Um, the thing that's really cool about this game is, is there is... I believe four spots in total that you branch off and you can basically get like a good, good ending, a good, okay ending, a neutral ending, a crap ending, and a really, really crappy ending. Mm. Does that sound right to you, Jooms? I think so. Okay. Understand I am about to finish one ending. I don't get, apparently you don't know until you get into the last battle, whether you've got the good ending where you kick the crap out of Faulkner and no, I haven't seen any references to him unleashing the sound and the fury from working designs, but I really should at some point or another. Or the, the ending where apparently Faulkner just um, takes control of your protagonist and uh, you have to kill everybody or something. I, I don't understand how that goes yet because I'm not quite at the final battle. But I have passed the point where I could have joined uh, the princess and the Imperials because you have to do that on a second playthrough, and I have passed the point where you can branch off onto the ruin stretch, where apparently you're trying to conquer the whole landscape and just make it into a hell. At least that's the impression I get. Yeah, um, I believe the first split is relatively early. I believe it's something like Chapter 7. And it's pretty obvious at that point, but there's another split at like 12-ish, and that one's not so obvious. Yeah, the so. one to get the Empire Branch, which I can't do on a first playthrough anyway, I apparently have to get Bastion up to level 8 by the third battle. Yeah, yeah. some of the tasks are really hard to get. So I think I did three, maybe four of them in total. But yeah, I mean, this was like the first game that I can think of that everybody had their own little like thing that they said when they came into battle um you could skip the battle animations i think that was the first game that i can think of that you could do that um it was all like 3d maps and i mean obviously the graphics have not aged terribly kindly i mean for me the cool thing is just the little details to it so for example the mechs are called all-terrain armored combatants a-t-a-c they're called attacks yeah yep yep why not? And the other thing is, is that um, unlike other tactical games, which basically force you to um, choose, move, and then attack, or attack and then move, or it's some combination, you know, thereof. Basically, what this game does is it gives you a pool of a hundred action points, and um, basically you um, can use those action points in any way that you want. Yeah. Uh, movement tends to cost a certain amount of action points. I, I think it varies depending upon the terrain you're navigating. And it also depends on attack. Yeah, so yeah. A, like a lighter attack takes less AP to move. The heavier attacks, like the centaur ones, took more attack, uh, took more AP to use. The other thing that Stupid you could do... Zero. Yeah, sorry. Um, the thing that I didn't like was that, if I remember correctly, if it got to zero, it just froze your character and you couldn't even turn them. 
Yes, it does. So that stinks. That was not Though cool. it is easy to use against the enemies if you have a super powerful boss and you can just barrage it with long-distance attacks that don't do much damage, then eventually it will run out of uh, fatigue points and just sit there for a while, incapable of dodging anything, and you can pound it for a while. <laughs> now, that's the other thing that's cool about this game, is um, you can equip all of your attacks with amulets. And I don't remember if they were locked to a specific one, but there was wind, earth, water, and fire, and later on, light and dark. And each of those elements... No heart. Were... No, sorry, there's no heart. Just candy. And um, I found that... I don't know if this was true of your playthrough so far, but I only ever equipped wind and earth. Well, and... I'm finding that that wind attack, which is super cheap so and, and has a range of four, yeah. it's just awesome. It's so broken. And I mean, earth has like that phenomenal healing spell. So why would you equip water or fire? Um, let's see. What does water give you? Water gives you a couple of not very good range two attacks that they're better than nothing, but why would you take them when you can get better? And as for fire, um, I guess the whole the strength of the fireball is in the user because my fireballs, they're okay, but lately the enemies have been capable of doing a third damage with one shot of fireball. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it was just kind of this great little romp game that had really nice anime graphics. The battle system was mostly put together really well. Um, the dialogue being working designs was hilarious. <laughs> well, I haven't seen too many horribly dated references yet, but there have been a couple. There's one when the character Devlin is trying to distract a couple of Imperial Guards, and he does so by shouting, Hey, those look like a couple of good attacks for me to poop on! I don't even remember that reference. It's a, it's a Triumph the Insult comic dog reference, of all things. Oh, goodness. And, and hey, for... if you get a complete Vanguard Bandits, don't forget, it comes with a demo of Lunar 2. Yeah, I, <laughs> I borrowed my copy and it doesn't ha seem to have the demo, or maybe I'm just not using Aww. it right. Unfortunately, this was developed by Human Entertainment, who has since gone out of business. So has Working Designs. I think so... I played another human game, uh, Blue Breaker, which almost nobody has ever played. And yeah, know. I mean, I've, I've, I seem to remember looking them up on Wikipedia not too long ago. Oh, yeah, because Neverland went out of business, and I wanted to compare the two. And, um, yeah, it was just a bunch of okay but not spectacular games that they developed. Oh, and the manual, there, there's a little walkthrough for the first few battles, and in there, somebody just had to insert a, a Regis Philbin hosting millionaire reference. No, oh, jeez. And I swear there's been an Olestra reference in the dialogue. Everybody remembers Olestra, right? Nope. Who? That fat substitute they put in potato chips. Oh, chip right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had one of those. Um, I don't think we ever had that in Canada. You can't get the aftertaste well, out of your mouth. <laughs> it's like you keep, like, wiping your mouth because it's like it clings to, like, the roof of it and stuff. You can't. Yeah, it's nasty. Well, I seem to remember it being taken off market pretty quickly because there was some health and safety issue, so you didn't miss much. But yes, of course Working Designs had to slip that in while the getting was good. Still, it, it, compared to some of the Working Designs localizations we've all experienced, this one is not nearly as full of now horribly dated references. Hmm. So yeah, um... This came out on the USPSN, if I recall correctly. It did. It's uh, it's still there at nine ninety nine. It's at... and I mean, honestly, I think it's totally worth it at ten dollars. It is, and it's got uh, an average of four point seven nine out of five stars from three hundred uh, plus users. 
So that seems a might high. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, when it comes to these star ratings, I have found out that between four, uh, you know, four means it's usually pretty good on the average. If it's got three stars, it, it usually means it or less. It usually means it stinks pretty bad. So it's it's very much along the same lines of what people have come to expect overall out of the rating community as a whole. Like eight is about breaking good, and you know, four out of five, or so to speak. Um, anywho, uh, but yes, it, uh, four point seven nine is very high for user ratings. Well, I do want to mention a couple things that bother me a little bit about it. N- nothing that would cause me to say, don't play it, but the menus are, particularly between battles, they're kind of annoying, where when you buy things, you just kind of have to look and see, oh, I have two of those already, and this is the same kind of weapon, so I want to buy two more of those, I think. And the fact that you can only interview three people per inter-battle session is... I guess that works for making you plan your conversations, but it's kind of annoying because, like usual, these working designs localizations are fun to read. And then Bastion will just say, uh, uh, I, I'm out of time. I, I can't talk to anybody else. What the hell? And there is a turn order visible in battle, but you have to go into the menu to look at it instead of games which just have the meter constantly displayed for you to look at. Now that I'm used to it, I don't mind it very much, but it, it is nice to not have to go into the menu every time I want to see who's going to move next. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, don't forget that this was like more than a decade ago. It was one I of know. the first TRPGs that even let you see a turn order. Mm. I mean, I, I wasn't know. this even before Final Fantasy Tactics? Then I have to look it up in a no. menu in Tactics. Oh, my bad. Unless it came out super early in Japan and it took Working Designs one of its infamous long times to bring it, it across. Okay. But I had to look it then up. It, in a, then it may. But yeah, you had to look, look it up in the menu tactics, tactics too. too. That is very valid. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember that. <laughs> it's been like 10 years or so. But yeah, I remember having to look it up in a menu because you're right, Minky. I'd look it up a lot. And yeah, it would be nice if it was down there. But I don't think any of the games – I'm trying to remember if there were any tactical RPGs I played anywhere that before them would show me the turn order and uh, on the screen – it's not jumping to mine right away. I'm gonna have to delete CHP to make room this, and I just because I just beat CHP, so it's okay. Oh, congrats! Yay! Hey, well, give it a whirl. We'll, we'll talk. I'll, I think you'll like it. I'm gonna go ahead and do that right now. Yes, it, it was sitting on my. I was correct too. I just checked. That's why I was checking. That's why I knew the price and the stuff is. It, it was something I had bought before, but uh, it's not currently on the memory stick because it only has 16 gigs. So. I, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about ZHP in the final lap, but uh, um, I'll go ahead and do that swap. Let's see. Vanguard Bandits, I, I think the difficulty balance is pretty good. So long as you play a little conservatively, you should be fine. Definitely play conservatively. The other thing to remember is the more extreme the path, the harder it's going to be. So the bad, bad path and the good, good path are the hardest. The middle of the road ones are a little easier. But I mean, that being said, it only takes about 15 hours or so to do a certain path. So if you find that you've backed yourself into a corner or that you don't like the path that you're taking, reset and just replay because it's not going to take you that long to get back up. That's that's very true. Even with the little amount of time I've had to devote to the game lately, I'm surprised at how quickly I'm blowing through it on one story path. It's really intended to be played more than once. I'm picking that up. And... While I don't have time right now to play it again anytime soon, I, I plan to keep it around for a little while. Maybe next year when I do have that kind of time, I'll go for either the Ruin or the Empire branch and see if Sidira is any good to control if, she, if it's not the damn AI that's controlling her. It is really hard to find this on the PSP list when you have 270 games. 
Oh, let me tell That's you, a, Phil. That sounds like a self Waving my fingers wound. back and forth because the smallest violin in the world is playing for you, sunshine. Uh, I'm just telling you, don't, don't. 200 PSP games. No, really? no, no. Two, really? 200, 270 um, PlayStation Network games. Unfortunately, Ooh. in their grand wisdom, Sony, you know, when you're on your PSP, um, Sony doesn't actually put a filter on your list of games just to show you the PSP games. You actually got to scroll through your whole P, and that includes any demos you've downloaded or anything like along those lines dlc uh wallpapers they're all there and it's got the date that you bought them it's really cute it's a great history of what you've done uh this one goes uh, yeah, all the way back to when i first got my ps3 about three or four or five years ago so um it's really cute except it doesn't yeah hmm. heavenly sword demo august 24 2007 go figure hmm. wow that goes back away uh, oh, found uh, one it. other thing about Vanguard Bandits. You mentioned, Anna, that the animations haven't aged that well, but I don't think they're particularly ugly even now. No, I mean, the pr- they're not totally graceless, but, you know, go into it with the idea that it's going to look like a tooth, you know, and a, you know, circa 2000 PlayStation game. I'm from a developer without a terribly high budget. I'm going to I'm going to guess though that Honestly, I think that saves them because I think that without trying to go for the hyper realistic graphics, um, and instead choosing that sort of like slightly super deformed anime path, they have actually gave themselves so much more flexibility in how well maintained the graphics have looked. Yeah, I, Does I that make like sense? like the character sprites because they're they're actually not super deformed. They look pretty realistically proportioned. Did- yeah, it's. I feel like the mechs are. I mean, it's it's only like a slight deformation. It's not like you yeah. know, big eyes, small mouth, or anything like that. But did did y'all any of y'all play this on PSP? Nope, PlayStation. Okay, so I'm gonna I'll I'll uh, I'll definitely give this a shot. I'll mention it at some point in one of the um, final laps. I'll tell you my thoughts because uh, one thing I've said before, I abhor, I absolutely despise PlayStation One era uh, 3D graphics, especially. But on the PSP well, tiny the, screen, here, it the works. Graphics, Phil. <laughs> Except for the battle animations, most of the time it's not going to be zoomed in very far. Uh-huh. So for the battle maps, yeah, you can tell it's PS1 3D, but because it's not zooming in, it, it's it's just a tactical map. You know what to do with those. You just take the, in the information you need and get going. Kind of like a front and mission. The battle three. animations, I have to say, I am I'm liking the almost lack of load times between them because that can be a real killer. That is on really nice. Games. Yeah, definitely. In fact, it will come up again in a game where we're going to be talking about in a little bit. I wonder what that game could be. Brigantine. <laughs> Pardon me. Mm. Shall we move on? Final uh, thoughts on Vanguard Bandits? Totally, still totally worth it in my eyes, especially at ten dollars. Yeah, I can't. I can come up with a reason to say no to it, unless you just absolutely despise tactical games, and there's nothing that's going to change your mind. In which case, you should go play something that's truly awesome first and see if that'll change your mind but now what about though let's just say you're one of those rare people who didn't never went on got a playstation 3 or a psp so you're only got a playstation 1 or 2 therefore you need the disc version would you say it's worth 174 dollars and 98 cents no <laughs> but that's come on that's brand new factory sealed i sold a sealed vanguard bandit strategy guide a couple years ago for 65 dollars. wow wow okay then you might want to get the used version i'm seeing uh i'm seeing a bunch of buy it nows uh but hovering about 40 45 50 dollars so i think for for that just based on what y'all are saying plus of course you know 300 people who back you up on the reviews over here <laughs> that might be worth it for 50 dollars because i've seen people spend 50 dollars on much worse games lately so 
but how much does Beyond the Beyond go for? Uh, Beyond the Beyond, that would be hilarious if it sold for more. Beyond the Beyond, I, you know, I turned that into a coaster so fast. Um, Did you play it, Anna? Because I actually haven't yet. You can, yeah, you can get Beyond the Beyond yeah. brand new factory seal. Is it as bad as it said? Yeah, for a hundred dollars. Yeah. I would factory sealed beyond the beyond for hundred dollars. The use, I mean, used as the reason. Honestly, the reason that I own Vanguard Bandits is because I was willing to shell out the like hundred and five dollars for it. Mm. Because in Canada, I mean, this this was during the time that um, the dollar tanked. It was like two thousand to two thousand and three ish. The dollar completely tanked against you guys. We dropped to like sixty uh, percent, you know, sixty cents on the dollar. And so not only were all the video games super expensive, but something like Vanguard Bandits, where it was a working designs package and it had the goodies and the nicer box. I mean, especially in somewhere small like Brandon, Manitoba, we would get two in and that. That's because we had two pre-orders and one of them was mine. So, I mean, if you didn't pre-order it, if you didn't want to slap down the $100 for it, you just weren't going to get it. So I got it. Well, if you all have a PS, Ouch. and it's probably Vita, being a PlayStation 1 game, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and guess that it's probably Vita compatible um, if you buy it through the PlayStation Network. Um, I wonder if it actually says that. Let's double check before you play, please. Let's take a look here. Does it tell me here <laughs> in the PlayStation Network store? Yeah. If I if I so band card band. Oh yep yep yeah there it is. Uh, PSP, PS Vita, and PS3. Uh, Three hundred eighty six megabyte uh, download. I, I was kind of surprised that Final Fantasy Tactics is only like a hundred and eighty megabytes. Yeah, it's tiny, it's isn't tiny. it? Wild, isn't that cute? Yeah. Huh. So, uh, Vanguard Bandits, go pick that up, preferably through one of the cheaper methods, but uh, if you're stuck with the PlayStation One or Two, <laughs> uh, prepare to open up your pocketbook at least pay fifty bucks or so for it. Even so, there are much worse games to be bought at that price. All right. Well, it looks like we're we're ready to jump on to the next one. I think we're just going to jump right into it. We'll do the break on the third, between the second and third game here. We're ready to talk about Cardia. Karcha? Kartu? Cartman? The World of Fate. This was developed by Atlas, published yeah, man, man. by the same. Not Cartman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was something that friends and I went back and forth on because I thought it was Cartia because it's like carts. Hmm. And they were like, no, it's Karsha. Karsha. That doesn't make any sense. Or I could go smash and go Cartilla. Uh, anywho, this was uh, released on the uh, PlayStation in North America on August 7th, 1998. And later on in Japan on the PlayStation Network there, if you happen to have one of those Japanese dealies, uh, you can download that from October 12th, 2011. Anyways, this was a... And if you're in Europe, in... it was actually Legend of Karsha. Oh. And uh, this... Not Legend of Karsha, the word of fate? No, it, so it was Rebus in Japan. I don't know why. Cartia, mm-hmm. the World of Fate in North America, and Legend of Cartia in Europe. And coming to you on one single, one CD, one single CD-ROM, single-player tactical RPG. The lady on the front of the uh, cover art for the North America version looks an awful lot like a Final Fantasy VI character. And you want to know why that is? Would it happen to be the same artist by chance? <laughs> you are correct. Yay! This was one of the first games that Amano did outside the Final Fantasy series. All right. Probably because he wasn't being consulted much on seven and eight. Now, correct. I'm definitely looking forward to hear what you guys have to say about this one because I remember because of the artwork being, you know, Final Fantasy VI, of course, my favorite RPG of all time, as everyone knows. Um, this, uh, the, the artwork certainly caught my attention, but um, I don't think, was I not online at the time, or when it first came out, I don't think I was on the internet just yet, so I didn't know to look it up. I didn't connect when the dots. When it first came out, I was not on the internet. Hmm. But um, I had already started to recognize certain brands because I had started to collect a few RPGs on the Super Nintendo and on the N64. So I knew Atlas's name as the people that made Ogre Battle. 
And so I saw this one day for rent in Blockbuster and I rented it and I quite enjoyed it. And I basically went back to the store and was like, I really, really want to buy this. And they said, okay, we'll put you on this list and we will call you when we start selling the copies because they had something like five to rent. Mm -hmm. This was in Northern Ontario. Like it was ridiculous. And yeah, sure enough, like three weeks later, I got a phone call. Hey, we're selling copies now. So I actually have one of these nerpy blockbuster video rental copies. And the honestly, the only difference between the two of them is on uh, on the ones that you got somewhere else, because it was re- released later in you know regular retail channels, is um, on on the on the regular release, um, the lettering on the instruction manual is silver. On mine, it's blue. You, it blends right into the manual. Hmm. And I remember this being like Vanguard Bandits and something we'll talk about later. One of those single CD releases that nevertheless came in the fat cases. Oh, jeez. Yeah, the fat case. I, I think they did it that way because it was a rental. Makes it stick out a little bit more on the shelf, I suppose. Well, let's talk about the, the story. Sure. What's the story of Karsia, Cartia, Cartman? Well, let's see. There's There are actually two stories here. In, in and they a lot, are... A lot of games... In, in, in which you play two characters, it's more like each one goes through the same tale. But here, it's more like the writers divided it in half, and in order to see the whole thing, you have to play it from both characters' perspectives. Right. So when you initially start the game, you choose Toxa, who's the male character who goes through one half the story, or you choose Lacrima, and she's the female character on the box art, and you go through her half the story. The cool thing is, is at any time, you can jump between the two stories. Hmm. So um, I don't know about you, Jooms, but I remember playing this where I would basically, I played the first chapter of each of them, and then I would play two, three of him, and then two, three of her, and then I'd go back and forth either one or two, depending on how the story was shaping up. And that sort of correctly slotted everything together. It wasn't a one-to-one ratio. I probably should have done it that way. Instead, I played through Lacrimas in its entirety first, and then I figured out, what the heck? It feels like I'm missing a lot here. And then I played through Toxes. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I found Lacrima's story much more compelling. I did too, partially because she's a more interesting character. She's she's a, a devout religious woman who tries to bring her principles to bear in the field of combat, which is difficult. And Toxa is kind of your more or less standard, I'm the happy-go-lucky protagonist. Da-dee-da-dee-da, I'm going to become awesome. La-dee-da-dee-da, I've never been a knight before, but I'm going to be really good at it. First thing I tried, la-dee-da. You know, that, that's not a very original character model, but Lacrimas was more interesting, and what she had to say was often more interesting because of that. She was clearly much more intelligent and better educated. Yeah. Although we have to mention, Atlas of the 90s was not Atlas of now when it comes to localization quality. I distinctly remember the instruction the game gives you when you save. It tells you, do not pull it out. That is oh, what, what it out? says... I th- I think it means your your uh your memory card, but it doesn't say. It just says do not pull it out. <laughs> oh dang! Yeah, don't don't do it. And I seem to remember there were a few kind of snickerworthy um, grammatical errors in this as well. I remember a couple of times the translators kind of confused the different words that alter can spell. One is a noun. One is a verb. <laughs> they do not mean the same thing. And yeah, well, when I reviewed this thing, I had to take, I had to use one of these pictures because it just seemed uh, very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, it, it's not a great typo, but it's the only one we had a picture of. <laughs> See, isn't that a great example of spell checking and proofreading? <laughs> Durin, we should shut down the entire forest. We'll do. Snap. Wait, what? <laughs> I like the fact, the thing that always sort of intrigued me about this game is the sprites were clearly designed by someone who has done a lot of sprites, but they actually used the Amano artwork. And all they did was add a pink tint to them. They are still like the pale, wispy people that Amano is, you know, amply known for. And in fact, yeah, some of the characters, if you change their hair color, or if you changed, you know, their their eye color or their skin tone, they would be a Final Fantasy VI character. <laughs> what can I say? Amano clearly found his niche and he stuck to it. Well, yeah, I mean... Duran pass has a slightly passing resemblance to a certain solitary knight in Final Fantasy VI, if only he had black hair. Gosh, yeah. Gosh, wow. My mind is blown. Now, picture Lacrima with pink hair, or green hair. Now, as I recall, Terra also wore the the, bear, the, boor, the beard sleeves look, didn't she? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, Karsha doesn't play anything like Final Fantasy VI. Or fortunately, depending if you like tactical RPGs or not. <laughs> so basically, once you get on the battlefield, you have a certain number of human allies, but they're actually very precious, because if a human dies during battle, it's game over and you have to restart your chapter. The other yep. thing that you can do is you have Karchias. And Karchias fulfill the role of basically everything in the game. They're how you cast magic spells, they're how you summon phantom allies, they're how you create equipment, they're how you do everything. You know, for such an interesting concept, I would have liked to see it expanded upon in the plot. Here, I'm going to use my, my coffee Cartia to give you a cup right now. Isn't that a concept that deserves further explanation? <laughs> um, Yeah. <laughs> A, cof- no, we're just gonna... a coffee cartia? I don't remember exactly what the beverage was, but I distinctly remember somebody just... Was it... Oh, you look thirsty. Here, I'm, g- I'm going to use my cartia and create uh, a glass of wine or something. Was it... I don't remember. Was... And I mean, you know, all of these things make sense. You know, if you're having a cup of tea, it's a fire and a water cartia. But they don't do enough to lead you towards that direction. You have to make that logical leap by yourself. I was going to say, was its name Koenig by chance? <laughs> ha, kill my... Please don't. If you kill yourself, then we'll be left to pick up your mess. Um, okay, so the Cartia in battle, well, you can just create your own little phantoms of various kinds. And My favorite part of this was you could use Cartia on the battlefield. So I, like, used to make kills. <laughs> I'm such a dork. Well, I found that they were a lot harder to keep alive than your humans. Yeah, that's true. Although you might want to use them if you get bored of having your humans kill everything, because once you reach level 20, you can't go any higher, and you're going to reach level 20 with everybody. Relatively quickly. Yeah. So, so but yeah, what do you I mean, do after you hit level 20? You just stop gaining experience, yeah, you and you stop gaining any better. And you get bored? Uh... Well, you still have to go kill things, and the final boss is, in both paths, is... Um, I forget what it is right now, but it did put up enough of a fight that being level 20 wasn't a huge block. That being said, if you don't like games that are linear, don't, don't, don't play this. It is painfully, painfully linear. There is no surprises. It is like straight line, start to finish. This is the game. You are, there is nothing unpredictable about it. 
I do remember being able to use your magic to affect the environment, mostly in the case of freezing rivers so that you could cross over them. That was that was somewhat unique. That was cool. Like I said, I liked making hills. Hmm. Or breaking them down so that enemies are no longer shooting. On higher ground? Yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was very, very handy. That was, like, necessary for a few levels, especially in the latter half of the game. I can't tell you how much I wish I could do that in some of these Disgaea boards I've been on. <laughs> Jeez. Seriously, right? The freaking enemies are like eight blocks up, and the the ground they're on is you know enemy boost eight hundred percent. And oh yeah, you just wish you could knock them down a few pegs. Um, unfortunately, while this one has been re-released on the Japanese PSN, I don't believe we've seen a North American re-release. Mm. Atlas currently doesn't seem to have anybody around who was there in the nineties, so the lap the rights may have lapsed by now. Who knows? Well, and the other thing is, is we don't actually know this, the, it was actually developed by Atlas Japan, Mm -hmm. but I know like in Europe and I think in Japan, it was actually published by Konami. So I don't know, this might be, this might be an issue of lost original code. This might be an issue of, they don't think it will make enough money for it to be worthwhile to translate over. It might be, we don't want to have to fight with Konami about it. Well, so there's some who knows. There's some good news, and the good news is that the price tag isn't quite as high on this one. Uh, there is one uh, the blah, 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 blah. there is multiple, I mean, copies all used uh, currently that I could find uh, with buy it now prices uh, under two dollars. But is it worth it? I would say I would give it a tentative yes. It it's pretty easy for the most part if you're a tactical veteran and like Anna said. Just be prepared for extreme linearity, but because it goes by yeah. pretty quickly and it uses some interesting concepts that I that you don't see many other places, you might want to give it a shot. Yeah, I'm kind of with Jim's on this one. It's it's a real tentative maybe. If you're looking for a TRPG that is a little more classic, but that does throw you a couple of twists and turns in the gameplay, if not in the story, then definitely pick it up. But, I mean, Vanguard Bandits is half the price, and I just recall so much more of it is my dilemma here. It, I lo- And the funny thing is, is I loved Karchi when I played it. Like, I played through it multiple times, but at the same time, I don't think I've touched it since 2001. Yeah, and I, I'm going off memories that are only a year and a half old, and I still can't remember a whole lot. Hmm. <laughs> okay. What? But, uh, on the other hand... It is not a bad game at all. It is an interesting game, and because it's pretty short, you're not looking at a serious time commitment like some of these NIS things can happen. So don't feel afraid that it's going to suck away your life if you try it, because you'll get the idea pretty quickly if you like this thing or not, and then you'll probably finish it within a week, and there you go. There you go. And worst case scenario, if you buy it for 20 bucks, you don't like it, you can always throw it up on eBay, and you'll just be out some shipping and posting fees whatever they're charging to post those things online these days so there you go well we're gonna take a we're gonna take a brief break let you listen to some more music hopefully not from hollow notes this time and we'll be right back to talk about the last two games of our quartet
game number three on our list is Brigandine, or Brigandine, or Brigandine. Brigandine. Pretty sure that's how I'd say it. Okay, say, say it with an Italian accent, Phil. <laughs> Brigandine. There you go. This was developed by Hardy Robin. I can't say I've actually never seen these guys before. Uh, published by Atlas. This was released in North America on October 31st, 1998. A single, and if you got the Grand Edition multiplayer, um, tactical RPG experience. Uh, coming to you on one CD-ROM list, you got the Grand Edition, according to the notes. Oh, that would be Japanese only, though, uh, which came on two CD-ROMs. Right. So uh, let's no, talk about... No, the one that came out here is still a single CD in the fat case. Let's talk about this game because uh, this game is going to probably beat an I, RPG backtrack record. So I want to know more about this. You know, I, I, I'm starting to think that the fat case with the single CD was an Atlas thing because I think that their instruction manuals wouldn't fit in a regular case. Hmm. Well, let's see. Let me look at this manual. It's The uh... Brigandy instruction manual is huge, and it also included a map and a reference poster. Yeah, the manual is 56 pages, and it does come with a map. And yeah, I, get, I can see how you, you wouldn't want to strain a single CD case, but it still seems like excessiveness when, for just one disc, we have to break out the fat case. Hey, when it's packed with that many goodies, I'm not going to complain. But I mean, sadly, my Brigandine case shattered long ago, even though I still have the game and the instruction manual, and I think the map, but I think I'm missing the monster insert. Let me see if the, let me see if the monsters are on the back of this. No, on the back of the map is the class change chart for humans and monsters. Ooh, I wonder if I got a different run that had those as two separate things. Because um, I think this was put out in Canada before we required bilingual manuals. So, yeah, it should have been all one piece of paper. Hmm, I'm going to have to go downstairs and check my version after this. Well, now, when I first turned this thing on and looked at the game world, I saw that my objective... And saw that my objective was to conquer all of the castles on the continent in order to rule it. I couldn't help but think of Dragon Force. Definitely. And this if you game compare it to Dragon reeks. Force, it unfortunately comes up pretty short. Yeah, in like every category. And the thing that's a bummer for me is I played... Again, this was one of those games that it was like, I recognized the Atlas name. I saw it somewhere for sale that was probably a used rental copy, and I picked it up. So, I mean, I, I just... Which means I, that you can stand to make some serious money on it now. <laughs> well, like I said, I don't this even have a case cheap. for it anymore. <laughs> even the bare disc is not cheap anymore. Really? Let's get to know. So, 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 what about the, so, so what about the story? So you choose um, a leader of one of the eight countries? Five. five. There, there are five okay. countries you can choose, and you can choose the sixth, the one that started the whole problem, the whole thing, if you just enter a couple of buttons at the character selection screen. <laughs> or beat the game once. Yeah, same thing. The, if you okay, don't so, want to cheat! <laughs> well, it's right there! Apparently you know, it's just that easy. It's, it's, a, it's a debug thing that they never took out. <laughs> oh, it happens Atlas. all the time in older games. Um... Okay, so it starts oh, with yeah. the, the... the Almechian Empire, which uh, is its armies are led by some guy named Zemeckis. Yes, he's his name is seriously Zemeckis, which means I think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future whenever I think of his name. Um, and he just yeah, gets I... this word from. Uh, hmm? I always call them Zamakus. 
So Zamakus, Zamakus, will you do the Fantango? No? Sorry. No, you, you it's, it's spelled exactly the same as the director of Back to the Future, <laughs> Forrest Gump, Castaway, you know, all that stuff. But somehow I d- I've never seen the director of Forrest Gump wielding a crossbow and shooting people. Maybe I've just missed it. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the story varies a small amount based on what general you choose to start with. But, I mean, it's it's kind of like um, World War One, where basically one person does something stupid and because of all of the alliances on the continent and all the political crap, everybody gets dragged into this war. Yeah, that, I, that hadn't occurred to me because there are no machine guns to be found on this continent. So, <laughs> so or poison um, gas. <laughs> you, you start out with a variable number of castles, I believe two to four, depending on which general you choose. And yes. basically, um, you have these troops, and the troops have a human leader, and then they have monster troops uh, with or monster allies within them, and basically, yes. you go back and forth attacking enemy castles and defending your own and hopefully you win and hopefully your damn fairy doesn't die for the trillionth time yes fairies are good for casting spells and getting hit in maybe maybe two hits if you're lucky maybe they'll just die in one um okay so the now monsters the are is... governed by go ahead good oh okay well the monsters each of your commanders can t- can take up to 6 Assuming that you're mostly going for weak monsters that don't take up too much rune power or however they classified that. Because if you've got really tough monsters, you know, the kind that are actually useful in a fight and are Life good dragon. for better than cannon fodder, then um, they take up a lot of, again, however the hell they classified this. It's, each commander has a certain quantity of the uh, rune matter or whatever that he or she can use. And once you've exceeded it, then you can't get out of the selection screen again until you've made the commander's monster retinue fit. So it may and, be I up mean, to six. Your, it may be significantly fewer. Yeah, I mean, and your le- the leader of the nation has um, slightly better... No, do they have better rune power or do they just have a unique class? It's a unique class and slightly better rune, pl- rune power to the point where okay. my ruler, I was uh, I was the ruler of Norgard, what's his name? Vaynard. Uh, yeah, the guy on the I was, I was constantly able to have six monsters and a couple of them were really tough dragons that, you know, helped out a lot. But most of my commanders had to make sacrifices and go with crappy level one things that die real fast. Yeah. So the nice thing is, is honestly, this is actually an easy game to jump into, even though it gets very difficult very quickly. So um, a turn is a month. And during that month, you have an organizational phase where you can move your troops between castles. You can move around your monsters between your rune knights. You can equip items, use items, change classes, promote monsters, etc. And in order to get items, you have to send your commanders on quests that will keep them out for... Who knows how long? But, Jooms, I had a good feeling. <laughs> I know you did. And look, you found a cave. And inside of that cave was a, su- a suit of armor. Wow, what a good feeling. Yay! You should have good feelings more often. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, humans can get promoted up into a new class. And that's either based on raw level or um, some level plus an item, depending on what you're shooting for. And then monsters don't have new classes, 
but they can be upgraded to the better version of the monster. So fairies be become Which also better takes fairies. more rune energy. Like, yeah, that's the downside. Dragons become better dragons, but they also cost more. So you have to actually weigh whether it's worth promoting up a monster because it, there's no black and white answer to that. So there is a lot of micromanagement in this game. Yeah, of course, and the menus, are, yeah, the menus aren't terrible, but you're going to be spending a while with them because you can't just you have to keep going switching between the different parts and you can't see how much rune energy your commanders have when you're summoning fresh monsters which depends on the castle you're in you can't just summon that cerberus from whatever castle you're in unless it's part of the the given monster lineup of that castle you might have to settle for a merman and mermen suck even or, worse than fairies or a Hydra. And Hydras don't necessarily suck, but there aren't many water fields in the game, and without them, Hydras, what a shock, don't move very much. Were you surprised? Because I was surprised. I was absolutely floored. I, my jaw fell to the floor, and I didn't pick it up for a good ten minutes. <laughs> Which was bad, because the moth then flew in, but I had to do it. <laughs> so, once you're done organizing, you go to the attack phase. And of course, in the attack phase... Um, all of the nations basically move at the same time, and they send out. Uh, they can send out troops to adjacent enemy castles, and um, adjacent is the key thing. Yes, if you you have to attack things that are next to the castle with your troops in it. But that and kind of makes sense. It does, but again, as long as we're bringing up dragon force, the sight of your of the troops marching between the castles was so cool to see, and you don't get any of that in this game. You just, yeah, I know. It just happens so invisibly. Lame. Now, the cool thing that I like about this game is that it does take a twist to combat that I don't think I've seen in any other game since because the combat grid isn't square, it's hexagonal. I actually did see that in a game called Dark Wizard on the Sega CD. Ooh! <laughs> Which I have not played in years and I only got through the first battle, but I remember it was a hex grid. So, th that was the that was the memory it brought to mind for me but i played i've played more of brigandine now so i can actually talk more about the hex grid and battles take less time in brigandine than they did in dark wizard which is a good thing well and part of that is because you're actually limited by 3 troops um to a battle and you're going to have 3 and they're going to have 3 even if they have 8 sitting in the castle and you bring 8 to attack them it's your top 3 versus their top 3 so a troop consists of both the rune knight and the monsters that they have under their power so um the thing that sort of drove me a little crazy is that all of your rune knights have an area around them that is marked on the grid and if your monsters leave that area they're toast it's a fairly like, large area to be to be fair. It's a good it five six square five six spaces. It depends on the general. And this is actually something that I think they borrowed from Longrisser of all things, because commanders had that same radius in which their troops got bonuses in Longrisser. War song, if you've ever played that. Nope, no nope. ring no bells. Okay. So. Um, the thing that's cool or uncool, depending on how good or bad you are at this game, is that you generally want to target enemy rune knights. Because if you defeat a commander, you their troops, the monsters that they had with them, either flee or become captured. Yeah, if they're going to become captured, then that means they just sit around on the battlefield and don't do anything for the rest of the fight. But they can still block you, which is annoying. <laughs> 
And you and do want to make say, sure that your rune knights don't get knocked out, because if they do, not only do they get knocked out of the battle and your allies flee, but they're also unusable for another month beyond that. Yeah. I have to say, maybe it's because I played this on easy mode, but the AI is very easy to intimidate in this one. You, you kill a few of its they monsters definitely and are. it'll run. Well, and the other thing is, is they they try to go for a rock paper scissors esque scissor uh, combat style, but it sort of flops because it doesn't. Like I found that I just overpowered it too often. Yeah, there's supposed to be this system of uh, there are white and black, which are opposites. Fair enough, and there are red and blue, which are opposites in the elemental world. But and there's green. You don't really. Yeah, and I forget how Which green is completely up. neutral. It doesn't oppose or it's not opposing anything. It doesn't even oppose itself. In practice, though, you can just ignore that if you need to and slam whatever's in your face, which you'll need to anyway because you can't move very far when an enemy is next to you. Now, the thing you do have to remember is you, while you need to protect your rune knight, you can't be too timid because battles only last 13 turns. If you don't win within 13 turns, you lose. Well. Unless you're defending. Yeah, if you're defending, you can stall them out. You can win. And that is one reason that the normal and hard difficulties could get interesting, because the AI will run out to fight you in the middle of the field on easy, but apparently it will just sit tight and wait for you to come close on other difficulties. You're under a serious time crunch here. It kind of makes me sad that we never actually got the Grand Edition, because they made one really critical change to the battle system that I think would have made it a million times better. They changed it to red, green, and blue. And so Hmm. red was effective against green, was effective against blue, was effective against red, and then white and black still opposed each other, as opposed to red being good against blue, blue being good against red, and what the hell is green doing over in its corner crying? It's fertilizing the fields. Um, And, of course, for our battles... Well, I I should also mention that they do take place on uh, the landscape, whereas your your troops are coming down from whichever castle they're invading, and the enemies show up around the castle that you're attacking, which is kind of nice. And it's good and bad. It's good when you're defending, because you can set up generals that fit that sort of terrain, but if you're coming down from the mountains... I don't know, it always felt harder. I don't know. I'm, maybe I just had good luck because the only because if you can take out a few enemy troops, usually, yeah, it will run away and bam, you win, and everybody gets a little extra experience once you win. That's and true. oh, of course, we must mention you will want to turn off the animations quickly because oh, they take a good thirty seconds or so for well, each freaking one, and they're crummy. And in fact, um, in the grand edition, <laughs> they were completely replaced with anime cutscenes. Instead of the chunky PS1 polygons that you can look at a couple times and go, yep, we've, we've moved past that, and then shut them off and never need to see them again. Hey, at least there was an option to shut them off. Yes, and I am very thankful for it because otherwise I would have spent at least double the time I did playing the game. They take a while. Um, so, oh, yes, I, I mean, plot. Yeah, plot's a little fuzzy. It's like you have... The former kingdom of Padstow, which is now New Almechia. You have Caerleon, who is an ally with New Almechia, but only sort of unwillingly. You have Norgard, who's like, uh, let's just kill everything. You have yeah, Ishalio. We, 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 lost, we lost a war last year, and we're ready to fight again, so let's win it all this time. You have Ishalio, which is like Norgard with Kefka, you know, inserted into it. 
He sure does and, dress in in an interesting way. Right? And then you have Leonia, who's like, we don't want to fight. Skirt, we're fighting anyways. And then, of course, yeah, my... you have the Ezgares Empire, who started it all. Which used to be Almechia. I don't know why it was changed. Mm. Oh, and let's see. What is his name? Yes, Zemeckis has Kador on his side. Kador well, he looks evil, he acts evil, and he vanishes before Escaras gets conquered to show up again for no apparent reason in a plot point. So, yeah, he's pretty evil. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's the final boss in the Grand Edition. Which actually would good be good because right now, here's when you get plot after you conquer a kingdom. You get, you get some plot after that, and then nothing unless you put certain generals together in the same location, and then they'll talk a little bit. Otherwise, you get zip and... Kador just shows up with this other guy you've never seen before, and he's all, <laughs> I was just waiting for you to show up. Now it is time for you to die. And um, you have a completely non-visual cutscene where you just see a couple of talking heads discussing something that's happening, and then the bad guys vanish, and you never see them again. Once you win the game, bam, that's it. You never, you've never seen any kind of final boss. You conquer the last kingdom, it's over. Anticlimax. And... That ties into another instance of Atlas in the day was not the same company. <laughs> Translation has look a at of the issues. look at the back of the box of this game, and there's a freaking typo on the box. <laughs> they misspelled exercise on the box. Oh, I'm gonna. I never to thought it was that hard to misspell. <laughs> and yeah, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it was During... one of those games that. Um, I really wanted to love it, and the, the 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 hexagonal grid made it really cool. But easy was too easy, normal was too irritating, and it was just kind of ugly. Yeah, it it, it kind of is. And uh, when I reviewed this thing a couple of weeks ago, several people popped on to say that they really liked this game. And I have to ask each of those people: Have you played Dragon Force? Probably not. There aren't many Saturn owners out there. No, there but really aren't. You really should try Dragon Force to see how this kind of thing can be done so much better. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. I, mean, it's it's, not that I think Brigandine isn't a bad game. I think it's a bad game compared to Dragon Force. And the comparison is inevitable if you've played Dragon Force. But if you're not sort of tainted by that, you know, bias, then I think that this wouldn't be a bad game. So what's no, it running at, unless price-wise? Well, it's funny no. you should ask that. <laughs> because... Because it never came out on the PSN. You know, no, and that's that's had an influence on its, on its price tag, I believe. Um, this one's actually probably going to shatter our all-time RPG backtrack OMG price alert. Because, boy, so, you know, I was talking with Miki during the break, uh, and, and we think that the most expensive game we've ever brought up and discussed the price on was Earthbound during during that one a while back. Um, and looking on eBay right with, now... With Panzer Dragoon Saga putting up a good challenge. Mm, and, and looking on eBay, Earthbound is uh, is still 323 is the most expensive game only. I do see a $400 um, auction buy-it-now price if you include a strategy guide with it. But looking at the game only with the box and or the manual, the highest price I've been able to find uh, is $323. And you can get a lot of the used copies for around $160 to $250. But Brigandine has just blown the lid off the game by itself, three hundred ninety-nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. 
is is on one of these buy it nows. So, and the average the average price tag is about 150ish or so. So it's right up there with Earthbound. I do see one buy it now for $85. I'm going to go look at that to see if it's from a guy with like a 2% rating. Uh no, 100% rating. What's the catch? Why is it only 80 why is it only $85? Is it $500 shipping and handling? No, free shipping and handling. <laughs> Uh, disc has like uh, comes with disc case manual and case arts no map is included disc has light scratches manuals in good condition with minor imperfections uh, case has shelfware and a couple of cracks uh, considering the price that's that's probably the the best deal you'll get right there I mean the person's got a hundred percent rating so chances are it, it works um, and that's uh that's yeah but there's actually somebody who's listing it higher than earthbound if you disclude the earthbound listing that throws in the strategy guide as well someone's listening at brigadine uh for $399.99 so wowzers that's a bit much and i'm looking at the screenshot it is it is uh it looks like it's sealed uh, of course people yeah actually it still looks like it's got the um the sony seal uh, over the plastic case itself so yeah that probably is but the case does have a crack in it from pressure uh probably somebody pressing the front of it or something um so it is not perfect but it is it does look like it's still in the original wrapping um so that might be why they're asking four hundred dollars and uh i wonder if anybody's watching this where's the there's a place on here where it usually tells you 15 people are watching this yeah hmm Anywho. There's one line in that plot point I mentioned for Norgard when Kaor just shows up and completely in text fights you, where the Atlas translation struck me as, I really ought to remember this as an example, where the princess named Brand- Brandi, Brandes, whatever her freaking pronunciation is, just shows up to help you, and she says in response to an impugnation of her father's abilities. That's a lie! I strongly believe that my father fought a fair, honorable fight and died gracefully. I don't believe a word you just said! Which is not terrible, but something about the phrasing just struck me as that is not right. And I can't even explain it now, but I did write the thing down, and that took five minutes out of my life, so there it is. Okay, well, I'm not really getting the impression from y'all that it's worth a triple-digit price tag. (laughs) Just... What do you think, Anna? Is it worth four hundred dollars? No. Yeah, I, I. Gosh, I wonder why. Just not many I mean, games it, come it, to that are worth four hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's it's like even if this was a re-release, I would hesitate to recommend it at twenty. Again, it's not that it's a bad game. It's just there are so many better games out there, which makes me sad because this was like the era of I bought everything that was labeled with Atlas. I might still do yeah, that. Yeah, and that, that even applies to to the many unfortunate people who have never played Dragon Force. Mm. So uh, a little bit of a dis- – it seems like we're kind of going downhill. We, we started off with a game that uh, sounds like it should be pretty much a must-play, great price point, lots of fun. You love it. The fans love it. And we've just been – it seems like to me we're kind of going down and down. Maybe maybe the last game will change that? Well, Brigandine, Brigandine does have its fans. I there aren't many of them because it's a mostly forgotten game now, but there are people who seem to swear by it. Don't ask me why, because I can't really tell you. And they're the ones making sure that the price point stays in the triple digits. Of course. Of course. See. Okay. Uh, it, it sounds like we're moving on to the Star Division. We're, we're, we're moving on to the game that I'm sure is just going to totally 
totally changed this this poor direction we've chosen to go. We're ready to talk about Hoshigami ruining Blue Earth. Hopefully it won't ruin our podcast. This is developed by Max 5, published by Atlas, released on the PlayStation 1 in North America on August 3rd, 2001. A single-player tactical RPG coming to you on a CD-ROM. And if memory serves correctly, there was later a DS, uh, would you say that was a port or a remake? Or, oh, it's it a, says it's a remix. It says remix in the title, but... yeah. But I don't think too much was changed aside from adding some character artwork to take up the top screen at points and adding a difficulty select, which is actually a major thing. Now, I know this is going to be an awesome game because as I'm looking over the uh, notes provided to us by the fine people at Wikipedia, who are always known for their uncanny accuracy, I can't help but notice that the battle mechanics uh, are titled The Rap System, and anything that's got rap in it's awesome, right? What? It's called the rap system. Each character's allowed to move, attack, use coin yes, fame. But it, it's, it says here in Wikipedia that the battle system... Hey, yo, I was driving down the road yeah. and I ran over a toad which caused it to explode. There, you want, you want your rap? You got right, your rap. Right, right. And that's why I moved my mage when I saw that it was filled up. My rap gauge. Yeah, isn't that the way it works, right? Rap gauge. Oh, yeah. It, it's short for ready for action points. Oh, cool. However, that's... Well, that, that just got me. Which is actually similar to uh, how Vanguard Bandits worked a bit, in that you are not restricted to moving and attacking, or you can do any combination of the two or other things. As long as you have some rap gauge left, you can do any number of things with your turn. What, what, what? You can just move a whole lot. Let's start off talking about the story. And I, I'm, I'm certain, Mr. Mike, that you can do better than our good friends at Wikipedia because all they've done is listed a bunch of names with some descriptions, but there's no plot on here whatsoever. Tell me there's a plot to Hoshigami. Let's see. You take the role of Faz. Faz, the young mercenary, who with his good friend... Um, the long blonde-haired guy whose name I'm forgetting right now because I killed him. Oops. Uh, is there in a, a in a military unit and gets to watch his poor, poor peasant village be destroyed. Now we've seen this scenario so many times, and it never gets any easier to watch. The hero watching his home peasant village be burned to the ground. Y- you feel for the guy. You really do. And after the destruction of his poor peasant village and being quickly knocked out by some guy who you will fight many times as the game goes on, poor Faz wakes up in prison with a girl named Kasha next to him who, it just so happens, is an escape artist. So let's get out of prison right now. After doing that, Kasha joins him for no better reason than she thinks he's cool. And Faz takes on the task of bringing justice to those evil imperials who destroyed my noble peasant village and are now seeking to kill everyone to bring war all over the planet or the continent, whichever. And, hmm, let's see. Yeah, that about covers it until you get to the point where you have to fight the guy who started instigating all of this, who it turns out is acting on behalf of the gods who centuries ago were really ticked off at something that the human race did, and now he's ticked off on their behalf, and he just wants to kill off all humans because they're worthless and ugly and stupid. By gum, planet would be better without him. <laughs> Don't expect Hey, that even I com- think that some days. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, please do not think that from this description that these concepts will necessarily be elaborated upon in an effective way, because they won't. They are more or less addressed near the end, and in the occasional text dump along the way. 
a long, long plot point where you will be glad, or at least I was, that the DS can be closed and put into sleep mode because, frankly, after reading several hundred lines describing events that of which I had no previous knowledge and feeling like a history exam, I was glad to be able to pause. Um... Yeah, there's there's a whole back mythology of the coin figums which are used in this game and allow you to use magic in battle. There, every time people use them, it's depleting the vital resources of the planet in some way. And if you use them too much, then it will spell our doom. And what do you know? For a minute, I thought that this had been written in the '70s, but no, I guess it just happens that way anytime now. And yeah, don't expect any kind of natural conservation theme to be adequately explained in this game, because it would be... Um, I, I will say that there are multiple paths you can take. The game does a terrible, terrible job of explaining where they are, so you'd better have a fact handy so you can know, I need to answer this right here, or else I go the wrong way. And I can tell you that if you don't go exactly the right way, then even if you otherwise meet the conditions, then, um, whoops, that character you had to beat the crap out of a couple of times, she's gone. She'll never join you. Sorry. Ouch. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> yeah, all because I went to the wrong town. And That'll teach you. I don't know how that worked. <laughs> and th- there's one character in particular, remember, you don't have to get her to join you, but to get her to join you, you have to traverse the entire 30-floor dungeon, and of course each floor has some guys on it you have to kill. Get to the top, talk to her, come back later in the game, talk to her again on the 30th floor and then go to each of the six floors underneath it for a certain guy who you have to do a chain attack on in order to get an item and then she will join you. It's a lot of work to get a character. And her only real reason for joining you is, well, I make weapons and I want to see what my weapons do, so I'm going to come with you. How's that sound? Hmm. See, she's a deep character. Deep. Um, I, I, I... Axis... The localizer of the DS port did an okay job with the translation. I have no real complaints. There's only so much you can do with text with a plot that wasn't terribly interesting to begin with. Not that it's terrible either. It's just kind of there. Um, sh- shall I start talking about the gameplay, Phil? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because that story has just put me... I mean, it's so exciting <laughs> that, cert- I, you know, I'm salivating. I'm just sitting here drooling on my keyboard over you know how can the gameplay possibly one up that that's that gravity defying story i don't know man let's see how let's let's give it a go okay let, let's go with the interesting concepts first the coins your characters can equip several coins to themselves and you through a tedious process that involves rapidly combining lots of items together can make these magic spells have an effect of up to 25 squares total let me tell you, that's some powerful voodoo. That's some powerful voodoo right there. I'm telling you, because I mean, like, I get excited in a tactical game if I got something that affect three squares. And I mentioned to get that character Chroma, you have to do attack chains on a certain person. That is done. You have to really plan this out. You have to have several characters select to remain ready for a chain attack instead of just wait after you're done with their turn, and then you have to. The person who initiates the attack will shoot the, your enemy in a certain direction, and if a character is ready, then it will then he or she will shoot that character that enemy off again, and you can keep that going for several chains. 
doing not a whole lot of damage, but you can net items off of off of your enemies that way. And frankly, I didn't bother because, like I said, if you don't have it set up exactly right, then you just might whiff a whole lot of work. But it's an interesting idea. Um, there's a deity system where there are six gods your characters can worship, and that influences how much damage you do to other deity worshippers and gives you certain abilities. And in addition to experience, you gain deity, you gain worship points, and as you gain more worship points, you unlock abilities from your various deities, things like jump plus two, so that you can jump higher when you're scaling heights, or equip certain kinds of weapons, or have another magic slot, or increase your luck, increase various stats. So that's good stuff. I like that. And you can... If you try and max out all of the deities, you're going to be there a while, but you will have a massive library of skills you can put onto your characters. And... Mm, yeah, the wrap gauge is really nice, especially if you level your characters up a lot. Because then, attacking seems to use up about the same amount of wrap regardless, but seriously, you can move a long way near the end of the game. I had a character who was able to move 20 spaces or more, which is really helpful. And there we go. Now I have to start getting into the problems. I played it on easy. Wait, wait, problems? You, you didn't tell me there was going to be problems? How could there be problems with this? It sounds so awesome so far. Phil, the MPAA has issued this a rating of NC-17. No one under 17 will be admitted for fear that they will run screaming from the auditorium. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> See, on easy, if your character gets killed in combat, comes back afterwards. I gather that on normal and hard, it's not that way. And the PlayStation one was set too hard and had no other difficulty. And... There are various towers of trial around the game world. You'd better get used to those towers of trial, Phil, because your level affects so much. If you are even not that far above the enemies, then you can watch suddenly as they start doing horrendous amounts of damage to you and just ripping you apart. I lost exactly one battle in this game when my characters were something like level 33, 34, and the enemies were only level 28, 29. But what do you know? They tore me apart because they always have the heights. And just like frickin' Vandal Hearts, the heights in this game means that your archers go have ridiculous ranges. Um, but if you have a high level, then the enemies are pretty much guaranteed to miss you 95% of the time, and you can counter them, so you can start carving them up nicely, or you can just use your magic to nuke the whole field and blow them up easily, which will work until the end game. And I got a secret for you. Anyone who wants to play Hoshigami, don't attack the enemies in the Towers of Trial unless you have to. Instead, have your characters attack each other. Because there's a, there's a timed reaction component whenever you use a physical attack. If you time it for the end of this fast-moving bar on screen that comes up when you use the attack option, then you'll do more damage. If you time it at the very beginning, then you'll do almost no damage. And you want that because you want to hit each other. Because you get more experience if you hit somebody close to your own level. So beating up weak enemies doesn't really help. Instead, you want to have your people fight each other, and then in each Tower of Trial, you can guaranteed go up a few levels for each pe person, and then after a few hours in the Tower of Trial, you're good to go. My characters were over level 80 by the end of the game, and that was because in most battles, whenever I couldn't think of anything else for them to do, I would have them attack each other. It works, man! It freaking works! Um... Yes. Now, now I know you love timed reactions in your tactical games, right? Phil? Well, yeah, because, you know, when I'm playing a tactical RPG, I'm sitting at the edge of my seat the entire time waiting for some sort of quick time event or something along those lines to just pop up and totally change the pace for me. 
Well, it happens every time you launch a physical attack, Phil. Oh, awesome. Oh, and I forgot to mention, if the environment is obstructing you in some way, say there's a pillar that your archer can't shoot through, or your your boomerang can't go through that tree, the game will tell you. You get to find out the hard way. When you try to launch the attack, because the game will otherwise show 100% hit accuracy, and whoop, your, your weapon will just come right back to you, and you get to waste all of your energy for nothing. Not that the AI is any better. It will sometimes try to shoot and just hit a pillar, and sometimes it will even try it again, proving that the AI is really stupid. But that's good, because, frankly, killing everything on screen gets to take a very long time near the end of the game. The more you talk about this game, the more I am glad I somehow missed it. Now, I didn't mention a very important thing about coins. After you use one, there's a cooldown period before you can use it again. That varies depending upon how much effort you've been willing to put into monkeying around in the menus, but you're not going to be able to use it again immediately, which is why you generally want magic users to have more than one option. And if you need it again, then too bad for you. You just get to wait a long time. Um, And yeah, while I'm thinking about the menus, uh, they suck. They suck hard. They suck long. (laughs) Now, what could possibly (laughs) suck about the menus? (laughs) Well, Phil, I'm glad you asked. Let me answer your question. In in possibly excessive detail, but I will try not to ramble on too long. When When you buy a coin, you will have the opportunity to modify it. This involves the process of picking out either one or two of the many, many things you will get which modify coins, and adding it to the coin. Now, the effects of your modification will generally be very clear, and they will also be very minimal. For the most part, you want to have a coin with maximum range and superpower. Fine. You will have to sit there for a long, long time, clicking through each of the potential options to see, does this one do what I want? Does that one do what I want? No. Time to look some more because there are easily 20 or more different items and if you combine them and if you use two at once then you get to first pick one and see how it matches with all of the others and then you get to pick another and see how it matches with all of the others and you get to do that for each coin and of course new coins will come along as the game progresses so you get to do it again and the highest level coins you can't buy at all you have to make them and there's no firm way to do it at least not that I could see from a fact so you get to sit there for a long time and decide is it really worth it? And there's also the lovely, lovely chance that the coin seller will make a mistake and give you back a coin that you might have just spent 10 minutes on, and now it's something completely different. It's a level one week worthless coin. Aren't you glad? Nice. That, folks, is why you need to save constantly while you're doing this, or else you might just lose all your hard coin manufacturing work. Uh, weapons, equipment, they really don't matter much, at least not after the beginning of the game, because magic beats out physical attacks, at least for me, and it seems to work that way for everybody. But if you want to use it, then you get to have the fun of, here, I'm going to buy these items. It doesn't tell you in the menu who can use them. It doesn't tell you what you've currently got equipped. No, you need to go back into each individual character's section and look and make your own comparisons based on what all of the stuff that you've got and see if that works for you now. Let's see. Wow, that is just special. <laughs> Isn't it? It is. Isn't it lovely? Also, I spent maybe 40 hours with this game on DS, and it could have been uh, 30 if I hadn't spent so many times in the Tower of Trial, if I had tried leveling on the main battlefields, but, you know, I did. Anyway. Um, the final battle is annoying, even at a high level, because uh, 
you've got an enemy with some super powerful coin that actually affects everything on the screen. And yeah, once he uses it, he can't use it again, but he's annoying. And you'll have to pound on him for a while. And he has allies with healing capabilities. You know, that's what you love in the final boss, right? That it can heal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's I love and, those bosses that just keep going and going and going. It's called challenge, Mike. Embrace it. It is. Um, what am I forgetting? There's so the battles they're all so memorable because you're always fighting people and you're even fighting the same people who have the same faces as the nameless grunts on your team so you can legitimately get confused is that an enemy or is that my own guy I have to look and see um, the only people I remember distinctively standing out was when a whole bunch of Mexican wrestlers suddenly show up for you to fight or at least they're dressed like Mexican wrestlers Cool. Um, and yeah every battle is either kill the boss or kill everything. I'm struggling to remember. Maybe on another path I didn't take, but even a even a battle where you do where there is someone to defend, she can apparently die, and it doesn't matter. It would change the plot a little, but since I let her live, she joined me and was useful. But I could have let her die. I could have. But you didn't, um, Mike, and that makes you the better man. Or woman, I was kind. Or something. I have to say that the artwork for this game is. Not bad. I kind of like it in general, but the females have enormous freaking irises, and that's kind of scary. <laughs> I did not think you were going to say irises there. I admit it. Well, they also some of them also have something else huge, but that's far more typical. <laughs> and of course, well, if you have gigantic breasts, it just stands to reason that you would wear revealing clothes and run around in snow outfits, right? That's just what people do. Like, like, duh. That's what I would do. First thing. Like, uh, like her. Take a look at her. Doesn't she look well-dressed for pretty much anything? Ooh, let's see here. I clicked on the wrong (laughs) link. Okay, there we go. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's ready to take on goblins, orcs, dragons. She's very well-protected. I think she forgot that the bra is supposed to go inside the shirt. Yeah, it's the support bra that you wear on the outside. Um. <laughs> it's the, the Audi bra. And like I said, she has huge irises, doesn't she? She does have huge irises. <laughs> you weren't kidding. Yeah, and, and here's Chroma, the girl I had to spend so much time recruiting in the stupid tower, though she is dressed more sensibly. She Still also has huge, has huge irises. irises. Yeah. Now, notably, that is only for the women. Because, of course, men, well, they, they, they don't have huge they, irises. They, they all, they, I don't even think they have any white in the eyes. Wow, wow. You know what I just realized? <laughs> this is like a fantastic example of big eyes, small mouth. Oh, my gosh, yeah. In fact, the mouth is it's like one-fourth the width of one of the eyes. That, that's insane. I just gave you a link to an example of a guy. I remember this. I don't remember his name. I remember I had to beat well, the crap well, no, wait, out of him wait, wait, about wait. six times. Wait, how come the guy's this eyes? This guy doesn't even have an iris. He have an iris. <laughs> He's got like two little pupils. They're like a dot. What is this? I don't even. Oh, goodness. <laughs> now, apparently this art was done strictly for the DS version. Whoever This artist was not employed for the And don't DS worry. Version. He is fully armored on his shoulders. <laughs> if he receives an attack on his shoulders, he's going to deflect that. Well, sometimes archers aim for your shoulder. It's just important to know. Oh, and just just look at this guy, and you know that is a trustworthy person, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. He doesn't look evil at all. I mean, he looks like somebody I would totally say, hey, bud, why don't you – well, I never met you before, but I just trust you. Why don't you come over to my house, you know, take a look at what I got, you know? Only the bad guys get legit armor. That's how you recognize Oh, that's how you recognize the bad guys. <laughs> the good guys wearing clothes. The bad guys wearing armor. Pretty much. Oh, I, I suppose I should mention something kind of nice, which is that there's a 9,999 hit point limit on everything in the game. So even the final boss only has that many hit points. Can we just call this terrible out of five? <laughs> and you know what? Even at that, the DS version is, I understand, significantly better than the PS1. Because the PS1 <sighs> apparently made you feel like you were dragging your face through broken glass in order to clear each battle. Oh, great. Now I have to insert the, the song, Walking on Broken Glass. It's your own fault Dang, you just can't get enough Annie Lennox. Uh, so I'm guessing I really don't need to look up the prices because now you just made me all depressed. Actually, you might as well so we can see what the difference is because I'm sure the PS1, despite apparently being the worst version, is um, more expensive. The PlayStation 1 version is going for about 20 to $30. Uh, I see a bunch of like new copies. I'm... See one that says complete for thirty one dollars. I'm not seeing any of them saying brand new still in shrink wrap. Um, all the- oh no, yeah, <laughs> you gotta have it in shrink wrap. Uh, the running Blue Earth DS Dealy, uh, there is a brand new in shrink wrap there for forty dollars, and uh, used copies going for about fifteen to twenty five. A couple of the music tracks I found catchy. There, I have I have found something to praise. Ooh, actually got some. I got a six dollar copy here. Buy it now, and two dollars shipping. Hundred percent feedback, so no risk there. Um, eight dollars. So Hoshigami Remix, eight dollars. Is it worth eight dollars, Mike? Um, what if I paid you eight dollars to pay it? <laughs> what if I paid you from everything that I have heard <laughs> online and from this guy? No. <laughs> Pay me $8. I might play it. <laughs> I paid you 8 Yeah, if you're thinking of your own money, then let me put it this way. What else can you get for $8? A pretty decent lunch, I'm sure. Wouldn't you enjoy your decent lunch more than you would enjoy Hoshigami Remix? Hmm. Might enjoy... Likely the answer is yes, and if the answer is no, then you really need to find better eateries. Ah. <sighs> hmm. Alrighty. Well, so... Just be glad I didn't throw eternal eyes in here. <laughs> I've heard that that's even worse. We're all depressed now. Well, <laughs> and and so it's it's really it's really kind of come full circle for me because I you know I saw those games on the shelves and occasionally I go up and look at the reviews and I think for each of those four games they seem mixed enough to where I didn't rush out and get them though. Um, with uh, what was it, Vanguard Bandits? Was that the yep. yeah, okay? Because I like to mix my titles up, as well, you know. It, well, it was known apparently it was called Epica Stella in Japan. Mm-hmm. And in the working designs localization notes, which are always fun to read, that was changed very quickly because otherwise everybody kept doing their streetcar named Desire routines in the office. Hmm. Well, so it's it's probably a good thing then that in retrospect that when I saw that go on the PlayStation Network, I think I might have even read um, Anna's review. Who knows? But I remember checking out some some going back and checking the reviews again and looking at reviews from people who love role playing games, and that's why I decided, yeah, I went ahead and pulled the trigger and paid the ten dollars and added it to my PSN account and added it to my backlog. Unfortunately, <laughs> so but now now it's moved up a little bit because of you two. And the other other games, I'm glad I never got. In fact, I remember Hoshigami. I never played it, but I had seen the reviews, and a friend of mine had bought a DS, and he loves role-playing games, and he had informed me that he got his his very first role-playing game for his DS, Hoshigami Remix. 
And it was like one of those movie scenes where I'm going slow-mo, no, why did you betray me? Why didn't you call me and ask me for recommendations before you spent your hard-earned cash? And it had just come out. Yeah, but the early reviews weren't too positive, and I'm just like... I remember being kind of interested in the PS1 version because it was one of the few things after the PS2 came out Mm. that was still getting any kind of press, and then the reviews came out. Then the reviews came out. So, hmm. All righty. Well, we're going to we're gonna take a break and let you listen to some more music. Maybe walking on broken glass now that that's stuck in my head. And then we will come back and wrap this up with the final lap. this up with the final laugh is kind of the part of the end of the show we do some banter read your comments questions just chit chat whatever comes to our mind and our last show was rpg backtrack episode 107 the tactical stars of destiny we talked about so we could in tactics and four we have just one comment so far because we kind of got to put it up after the the holiday and such and well we actually have several comments on episode 106 which only went up a couple days which only a couple days before (laughs) ouch my toe hurts mike boys and girls our safety tip for the day is do not stick your foot in your computer because i don't have the side cover on my computer um uh, and put your foot near the graphics card with the high-powered fan that keeps it nice and cool because it will in all factuality hurt a lot when it tries to clip your toenails for you and now you know and knowing is half the battle I'm waiting for one of you to go, just go. Joe. yeah <laughs> go gi joe <laughs> ouch all right uh yeah okay well, 106 was igmar's bergman's persona something 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 um about persona <laughs> one and balance said that uh, he's oh he's talking about path of exiles which i talked about during the uh uh, final lap. Uh, he says, I'm still playing Path of Exiles. Gave up on Wheel of Time because of lack of, a lot of Wheel of Time talk on it. Uh, because of lack of plot development, but also a big fan of Brandon Sanderson. I just I just know that a, a number of my friends were reading the final Wheel of Time books that were done by Brandon, and, and listening to them talk, it made it sound like the series was something that you just, that I just needed to read, but then again, going back and reading some of the comments, some of them on the forum here, and uh, from some other people I talked to after afterwards about some of the earlier books not being so awesome huh <laughs> ah, so um nix was surprised that our weird lessons of libraries was uh, her weird lessons on libraries was of interest i found it interesting myself well i find library st- stuff interesting in general because i've worked there in the past mm-hmm. um let's see here sorry egg says oddly enough we we're talking about everything but the suikoden games here in the comments i was the f- first the persona game the persona game my bad i'm sorry um the first wheel of time fan and after learning of sanderson taken over for jordan after his death i decided to check out sanderson's original work ended up becoming a bigger fan of sanderson than i ever was of jordan so yeah and i read the i don't know if i mentioned did i mentioned that i had read i did mention that i had read uh mist mistborn the first book and it was really good I need to read the other two they're sitting on my nook 
I need to get hooked on my nook and read the other two. Uh, okay, finally. Uh, SMA- hooked and nooked. Hooked on nooked, exactly. SMACD. Finally, we get a comment about Persona. I've heard a lot of people raving about Persona 3 and 4, but I've never really heard much about the first two games. Thanks for the excellent discussion about the first one here. I tend to like to play game series in orders since I really like to see the evolution. This one sounds pretty brutal, but I think it'll be easier yes, to it start does. here. <laughs> I think it'll be easier to start here than it will be to start with the later entries and try to come back. Well, and for me at least, and I haven't listened to the entire Persona podcast, so forgive me, I feel like 1 and 2 are almost a completely different series from 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. And, and normally, I would agree with SMACD. I, in fact, I talked about how I played like Tomb Raider, the newer Tomb Raider, which uh, a lot of people say is kind of uh, improves on the Uncharted formula. Well, I'd play that new Tomb Raider, and then I decided to play the Uncharted trilogy, starting with Uncharted 1, and it was hard to take that step back and go back to that more primitive uh, gameplay and experience. Um, I would have probably preferred in retrospect to start off with Uncharted 1 through 3 and then jump in the Tomb Raider uh, and then maybe something like The Last of Us. But um, I think you're right, Anna. I mean, uh, this uh, everything I've seen about Persona 1 and having spent some hours with it myself um, it is nothing like Persona 3. It is It feels completely different, and the stories aren't really tied in, right? I mean... I think there's one character, I- Igor, Igor, who is the same throughout. Mm-hmm. Otherwise... No, although I think there is a character who recurs in Persona 2, but yeah, Persona 2, and then it's just this whole weird thing because Part 2 came out here long ago, and then Part 1 only came out a couple years ago. But that's another show. Mm. As for the Wheel of Time, he says, I have a love-hate relationship with the series. I really enjoy the story, but I hate Robert Jordan's writing style. I always said that once I finished reading the last book, I'd put them all in a pile and light them on fire and dance around them naked until only Ash will remain. Seriously, though, the need to write about every last detail really got to him. And my, my wife hates that, too. She, I'll, I'll ask her how she completed a book in under a day. She's like, I skimmed through the parts where they detailed the scenery. <laughs> I just skimmed them. Uh, but anyways, he goes on to say, he, she, uh, um, I read the ten books that were out at the time over the course of the year because I've been given the impression that the series was over. I want to finish the last several books, but I don't remember much of the actual story anymore, and rereading them is really not something I want to do. I wish I could find some sort of chapter summary for the first 10 or 11 books. All I remember about the 10th book was that it was basically 800 pages, telling me where everyone was at at the time of the event at the end of the previous book happened. On the good side, my fiancé decided to start reading them, so maybe I can get summaries from her as she reads, so I don't have to read them again. You might get lucky if you go to your good friends on Wikipedia, where they seem to have this gift for taking these really long stories and wrap them up into a paragraph that may or may not be accurate. So you'll save a lot of time, but of course you do take that risk of the fact that it may be totally off mark. I'm sure there's got to be some websites out there or maybe even some YouTube videos or something where people do a better job of summarizing those so you don't have to retorture yourself with Tim books describing awesome scenes and scenery and things like that. All right, and then we had one comment on Backtrack 107, which was the Suicoden in Tactics and 4, and it's also from SMACD. He says, I think next year will be my year of Suicoden. Thanks for the commentary about these games. I've got a better idea of what to expect now. 
As for the games mentioned that are on GOG, the only one I remember specifically was Dragon Lore. I got this game with a video card or a sound card I got. It was one of the first CD-based games I remember getting. I remember trying to install it several times, but it had some odd hardware requirements that made it so the only way I could actually get into it was to run it as if I, by having a special boot setup and basically booting straight into the game instead of even letting DOS load. And even then, it was barely playable. So I don't have much to say about the game, just that it was a royal pain in the Tusky at the time for me to even get it to run. Ah, yes, the memory of getting those old DOS CD-ROM-based games to run at times with hardware conflicts and sound card conflicts and everything. Boy, those bring back more memories. And, and you know, you can relive a lot of those memories if you ever try to download these games from like a, I don't know, an Abandonware site and then try to get them to run in DOSBox. Trying to finagle with the various settings that are in DOSBox and getting that to work in an emulated way that makes sense, that actually works without going too fast, too slow, and has sound that's fun i did that with the gold box series and it brought me back to those days of tweaking with all those weird values and boot ups and things like that thankfully if you get the gog version they tend to do the work for well they do they do do the work for you and it works 95 to 98 percent of the time um i've only had one game uh and i'm not even sure if it's their fault or whatever i don't care as a customer all i care about is i buy it from you and it should work on my computer um and that was wizardry 7 the gold edition but played the uh, there was a separate download for the original dos edition and that worked just fine so i can still play wizardry 7 anywho um but uh, speaking of gog did i mention last time that wasteland that they were selling wasteland the original DOS space, the original classic from like way, way back in the day, like 1988. <laughs> so yeah, if you got yourself some hankering, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the last show or not, Wasteland is up on there. Knock yourself right out. Uh, yeah, I did mention it because I mentioned I was a Kickstarter fan for uh, supporter for Wasteland 2 and I got Wasteland 1 is free. I remember that. But yes, that's that's all there. Alrighty. Um, let's see here. What do we want to talk about? What do we want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? Anna, it has been so long since we had you on the show. Certainly, you have many things you wish to share with our vast and wide audience that's listening to you right at this very minute. I love my 3DS. Do you? Me too. Oh man, I've just I've been playing so much portable stuff. And I mean, I've been traveling some some amount. I mean, I'm going to be traveling a lot this month, mm-hmm. um both for work and for pleasure. But um yeah, it's just I don't know what it is. There's just been a ton of really good 3DS games. I have watched my 3DS collection just blossom in the last And I mean, it was like bang, bang 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 everything in a row. It was like um Hang on, actually, let me pull up my completed games list because that will totally tell me all the 3DS games that I've done all in a row. So, gimme. Sorry, I should have done this earlier. I, I, I mean, it's it's crazy though. I mean, I'm looking at my 3DS list and just cartridges, not even looking at the download games I got. Yeah. So I basically went from Fire Emblem Awakening to mm-hmm. Etrian Odyssey, um, Untold to Mario and Luigi Dream Team to um, Pokemon X to The Legend of Zelda, which I just beat this weekend, and then to Skylander Swap Force, which I also beat this weekend, and I'm really excited because it's the first Skylanders game that I've actually beat. Wow. I actually need to go back and do all the other ones now. But the, this new Skylander one has put put it together, the game, in just an amazing fashion. And I mean, it feels like such a, oh, duh, why didn't they do that before? Because what this version of Skylanders does, it's Skylander Swap Force, is once you scanned in a toy, it stays with the game. Hmm. And you basically tap the bottom screen and can call out any of the toys. And 
with regard to the swappers, you actually pick the top and the bottom separately, and the top retains the experience. So it's like I used um, wash, and then I changed his bottom depending on what gate I needed to go through. It, so he was phenomenal for me. It, and yeah, I'm, and it's I'm, saving though, so it remembers that you registered. It remembers all of the toys that I registered. That you registered. So whereas previous 3DS games, you could only register two at a time, um, and you had to swap back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. This one, you can have all of the Skylanders in. It's just a touch of a button, change out, touch of a button, change out. So, I mean, like, I loaded up, like, 60 or 70 Skylanders into that game and just played it through start to finish. Hmm. I own a lot of Skylanders. That wasn't even half of what I own. I might be collecting. I'm familiar with Skylanders, mostly courtesy of Classic Game Room. (laughs) (laughs) He is a big big fan. Yeah, yeah. It's an addiction. And the funny thing is, is I'm not... I like the figures and I really like the games, but Chris is the one who really likes collecting the figures. So, like, he goes through Amazon and he finds all the ones that I don't have, and then we go, like, to all of the stores. Like, we will do, like, a circuit of Best Buy and Toys R Us and um, Walmart, and um, there's another store we go to. Yeah, there's, like, five stores basically that we go to that might have Skylanders, us, uh, GameStop as well. So, yeah, Skylanders are awesome, but very, very expensive. But very expensive, yeah. Yeah, we just we've gotten to the point where we just we just can't afford to buy them all when they're not on sale. So we wait for like a buy one get one half or buy one get one buy two get one free and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I've just my 3ds has been hopping. It's and we have a PS4 now, so we played Knack um, together and finished it. That was pretty cool. Did you like it? Yes. Good, good. It was hard though. Really, it was very hard. Ah, because okay, that's that's very that's very good to know because uh, re- early reviews I saw on it, they number one weren't too thrilled with it, and number two, I kept seeing this comment that it was too easy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, there's a difficulty setting. There's a difficulty setting. <laughs> Which one did you pick? <laughs> Uh, normal. Yeah, that's what I would have picked, too. There's easy, normal, and hard. And I mean, if you find the even hard too easy, you can replay the game as... Um, so, as you go through the game, you find hidden artifacts, and some of them are pieces that put together, like, a machine that buffs you, and some of them are crystals. And once you get a complete set of crystals, like if you get 10 of the ice ones or 15 of the fire ones, they actually unlock a new knack form that you can play in a new game plus. So if you have all of the um, red crystals, you unlock a vampire knack, which takes health back from enemies that you attack and kill. Hmm. But you're also constantly losing health. Oh, okay. But it increases your speed and your attack. So, yeah. Hmm. And then if you get all the ice ones, it's like brittle max. So you have maximum attack, no defense. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And I also played Flower, oh. which is weird. And I got very frustrated with it. Stupid zappy things. <laughs> Once I got through that section, I liked it better again. <laughs> I really liked the ending. The ending was awesome. <laughs> well, you got further. I really liked it until I had to do that damn zappy section. But okay, the ending made up for it. <laughs> But yeah, I just lots of 3DS and some PS4, and I'm I'm gonna hopefully start um, doing some regular streaming for RP Gamer soon. Cross my fingers, we'll be able to set that up in January. The PS4 makes it easy, but we also picked up an Elgato at PAX. Hmm. So we'll see how things go. Fingers crossed. Cool. Hmm. Yeah, uh, boy. I mean, you're just you're right on the nose about the 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 3DS. If somebody was walk up to me and say, "Hey, what's the 
currently what's the best console for role-playing games uh, the current console i would say yeah 3ds boy i'm almost up to two dozen cartridges already and i mean compare that to let's say the wii where i think my entire wii collection for its entire life is around three dozen it's it's already done that in its first what year and a half so just just yeah just some great rpgs just one after the other plus of course you know the, the good nintendo first party games uh and and Shirley and I've been playing the the heck out of Animal Crossing. So don't 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 get Animal Crossing. You'll never get life back again. Hmm. How about you, Mister Mickey? What you working on? Well, I just finished the very first Summon Night game, which came out on PlayStation in 2000 and got a DS port, which is what I played. And if you've played any of the the three games that came out in English, those are spin-offs. Those are action RPGs. This is a tactical game. But it keep, it is in keeping with what came later because of the extraordinarily verbose nature of the characters and the plot points. And it's it's cute. It's fun. It has some interesting ideas. Like instead of you getting experience right there on the field as you kill something, it just goes into a big pool, which you can give to characters as you wish at the end of a battle. It's a fairly easy import. If you understand how to play a tactical game, you will probably get this pretty easily. Although the magic system is strange and obtuse. It seems to involve combining several different gems with whatever your current accessory is and hoping that the result will be good. I I didn't fiddle with magic too much once I got a couple of good spells that worked because, frankly, it's it takes too long and I didn't feel like fi- fiddling through the Japanese to figure out exactly what the hell I was doing. But if you, if you like summon night games, you might as well try this one. And if you don't, then it will not change your mind. I'm almost done with something we've been talking about tonight, Vanguard Bandits. I am about to attack the Imperial Capital, where Faulkner is apparently waiting with a trap baited. I continue to plug away at Agarest Generations of War. I'm up to 75 hours on the frickin' thing. I have reached the fourth generation. Fourth generation of pain. Uh, Yeah, Idea Factory just felt the need even when I'm playing on the easy setting. Why did these stupid enemies, which have an agility... I looked at their freaking agility. It's half that of my character. Why are they getting the first turn and beating the crap out of me so that I have to expend a recovery item? I don't... And of course, here, here, I'm a harpy woman. I've always been really curious about things. I'm going to help you. I'm going to join you because you just offered to join... You just offered... What? Why are you joining me? Why did the rabbit girl just join me? Seriously, the, the justifications for characters joining get iffier and iffier as this game goes on, and they were pretty sketchy to begin with. God damn it, Idea Factory. Do your writers not know anything about setting... God. Um, so yeah, fourth generation. Fourth generation, and I expect it to be another... 20 hours or so before I hit the fifth generation, which is supposed to be the final one. Ugh. Anna, have you ever tried Agarest? Um, I don't remember this level of frustration, so I'm gonna go with no. I'm, I'm so grateful that a review copy was sent to us so that I can experience the thrills of Idea Factory's wonderful, wonderful programming skill. Just so, so thrilled. Um, and I'll give a few movies plugs because that's what I do. I have to plug Disco Godfather because, honestly, with a title like that and a plot that involves the Disco Godfather getting angry that everybody's getting high on angel dust, he's gonna stop that. 
And what, what happens when you get high on angel dust? I'll tell you. You hallucinate that you're in a darkened high school gymnasium with some guy wielding a sword and a kabuki mask coming after you. That is what happens when you get high on angel dust. This movie told me so. <laughs> um, and trust me when I say that the doll squad, which actually predates Angels, Charlie's Angels, is not any better. Unless, of course, you believe that wearing platform heels and green jumpsuits inherently makes you combat capable. Maybe it does. Or the mere idea that you could wear a pink pantsuit and infiltrate a highly secret NASA institution. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't be trying to chalk this up for realism. Just maybe. <laughs> and for an actual good movie, I will cite The Professionals, which has Burt Lancaster, Lee Marvin, Robert Ryan, Jack Palance, Woody Strode. It's fun. I, I like fun movies about guys going off to rescue kidnap people in Mexico circa the, the Mexican Revolution. It's a good movie, goddammit. So go see it if you had the chance. And you know what? I had never actually watched all of Field of Dreams in one go. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm not exactly flooring anybody with that revelation, I'm sure. And if you can't stand baseball, I don't think this is going to change your mind, but Kevin Costner is in the right kind of role to work. James Earl Jones is always great. And even though I care nothing whatsoever for baseball, it works as a movie for me. So there. Bamf. Bamf. What about you, Phil? Bamf. Well, I neglected to mention that the next RPG backtrack is number 109, Marvel Civil War. We talk about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2. Yay! Which do deal with the Civil War. Yeah, they, they act number 2 does. Um, so I'm excited to, to discuss that one. I reviewed the second one. So if you want a sneak peek of what I'm going to say, you can always jump, jump, stop by, jump to, link to, whatever you like to do, rpgamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best role-playing gaming community on the net. You know, we got a great forum there, got a lot of conversations going on about things that you, as RP gamers, care about. Important topics, such as what's going on with your backlog, huh? What's your plans for next year? How are you handling that? So check it all out. There's a lot more. There's that discussion, a whole lot more there at rpgamers.com's forums. And so we'll be talking about that and some other games maybe. Also over at uh, GOG, my GOG plug for the week is they have released Heretic Kingdoms the Inquisition. I, I don't know where they keep finding these these role-playing games. Now this was an action RPG kind of in the vein of Diablo released on October 1st, 2004 uh, by the people at 3D People. <laughs> by the people. That, that's hilarious. And published by Games Farm. Single player, Diablo type of deal, isometric. It looks like from the screenshots, good old-fashioned 2D graphics in the vein of uh, Sacred and the such, or, you know, not quite as bad as Diablo 2. Um, looks more on par with, with Sacred. Maybe not quite as pretty as Sacred, but... I didn't get to jump into the forum discussion, so I just want to mention, and it's relevant to the backtrack, that we are discussing our game lineup for next year because the 2014 um, Game of the Month theme is going to be one hit wonders so it's going to be a lot of classic games you should jump on into the forums and check it out and leave your comments and discussions and join us every month next year for a different game yeah it's an absolutely great Panzer Dragoon Sock account um hmm, is that one hit 
I'm not sure. I think we're trying to avoid things that are three hundred dollars. Well, god damn it! If you're going to be that exclusionary, then nobody's going to be interested. Three hundred dollars? Why? That's absolutely nothing. In my day, we had to pay three hundred dollars just to get to the store because gas was so expensive. After you had to pump it yourself, bring it out of the Middle East on your own tanker. I rollerbladed to the store. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh goodness! I think gracious. I was just briefly possessed by one of my now dead relatives. <laughs> Uh, Quick call an exorcist. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. So anyways, if you just felt like you just haven't had enough action RPG and uh, and for some reason the servers on Path of Exile are down, uh, by all means, uh, check out uh, Heretic Kingdoms the Inquisition. I'm not going to buy it myself right away, but uh, I did put it on my wish list. So eventually when it hits some sort of sale, I'll buy it and eventually give my impressions on down the road. It does work on... XP Vista seven and eight Windows, and so no, uh, no Mac version just yet. I'm sure they're working hard on the. F- hmm. Well, I think that's pretty much it. Since I mean, because we just we just did a recording not too long ago, so I really haven't had a chance. I did wrap up uh, Uncharted three, so that was exciting to finish that one off. And now the Uncharted trilogy is polished off, and I'm ready to dive into the Vita Uncharted when I get around to that. And I'm closing in on the end of uh, Discaea four. So I am in the eighth chapter, which tends to be the last chapter in those games. And I'm still playing Disgaea 3 on my Vita. Uh, I'm on the last bit of DLC, but it could quite possibly be the longest. Rasperl's uh, story there, when you pick it uh, from the the guy who who lets you pick from your various DLCs, um, he calls them alternate realities. He gives you level guidelines, and most of the other ones were like levels 80 to 120, 90 to 110. Grass Barrel says 80 to 300. So <laughs> if it really does end at level 300, I'm not sure I'm going to get there anytime in the near future. And I think my highest character right now is like 140. So you'd have to really tweak out those leveling up deals and experience tutors or whatever they're called to, to get up to 300 anytime before next year, which really is not too far away, actually. Hmm. Um, already. Yeah, we've only got uh, four weeks till next year, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it is closing in fast. So, which means we've only got eleven months till election day in the United States, and you can tell the political parties know it. Got, uh, got Zelda, Zelda something something new Zelda. Link between worlds. Thank you, Link between. Oh man, it was so good. You, you already beat it. Yeah, I tore through it in like uh, all, all, all over the Thanksgiving weekend. It's about a fifteen to twenty hour game. It's perfect. You know, I loved it. You're, you're, yeah, I just had a, another friend uh, of mine from my old kung fu class who told me the exact same thing. He's like, "Yeah, I already beat it. Would you beat it over the Thanksgiving weekend? Oh man, how long did it take you? Eighteen hours. So there you go. Everyone's loving it. And another reason to get yourself a 3DS. That's all I'm going to say. If you don't have one. Or 2DS if the 3D graphics bother you and you don't mind having something that looks kind of like a tablet. Uh, but uh, no, Shirley loves her 2DS and it's working great. So having a good time with that. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close it out then. Um, RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com. So you can check out all of our previous shows as well as our awesome sister show, the RPG Cast. RP- <laughs> I'm tongue-tied tonight. RPG Cast, right? Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. I've only been yes. doing this for like three years, but I still mess it up. Um, 
and, and and you like to talk a lot on there, don't you, Anna? Don't don't we catch you on there like almost every show? Well, my husband is kind of the host, yeah, so, so you know I tend to get dragged into it more weekends than not. So you can get more Anna, which is always a good thing. Just don't get too much Anna, otherwise Chris may come after you. Um, dun, dun, dun. dun 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 And we have we just have oh boy over what are, what are y'all up to two fifty two sixty two seventy. You know what? I have no idea. Lost track. <laughs> It's a lot of shows. It's up to Chris to take care of the numbers. I don't need to remember them. You know what? I'm on. I'm scooching over to the latest updates. Thing to yeah. I'm like. 288. It looks like was our last one because we skipped um, Thanksgiving weekend. And by the way, we titled it the one where we spoil all of Assassin's Creed. And we're not kidding. We do actually spoil all of Assassin's Creed. Please don't be mad. We did warn you. All of them. All of them. Aren't there? Oh, all There's of them? like five. Okay. Yeah. And we spoiled all of them. I, I might just go and listen just to have the first one spoiled. Do you do them in order? It's a, it's a, it's, it's something that happens thirty minutes into every game, mm. and people are very angry at us. Well, yeah. Hmm. No yeah. one ever gets angry How at us. How dare you use truth in advertising? We. I know. Yeah, it's in the title, the one where we spoil all of Assassin's Creed. But I thought you were just lying and you wanted a colorful title. How dare you? Boo. Uh, and I'm reading yeah, Strawberry's comment on there. I try to play the games in order so I attain them while I don't keep an extensive list of what I own. Hey, I do. I got a spreadsheet. I'm fairly confident of what games I bought when. Uh, and it's funny because I got – so I got Assassin's Creed 4. And see, that's my mentality there. I mean, Assassin's Creed 4 looks really great. My friends who are playing it loving it. I popped in a PlayStation, put about 30 minutes into it. Oh, my God. This is great. <gasps> But you know what? I haven't played the – I played the first one for like two hours and got bored, and that was like years ago. But no, no, no. Now I need to play them all in order. But maybe I could just listen to the spoiler cast. And Shirley's over there rolling her eyes. I said, now I can just listen to the spoiler cast, and I don't have to play them all because you guys will spoil everything for me. And um, <laughs> Hey, we mark our spoilers mostly. Yeah, and, and then I'll be done. So I will tell you guys if you – We just make it clear. You, if you listen to the RPG Backtrack, you will be spoiled. That's our policy. And if you if you do uh, if you do get the so what I did was like I got I, when I was at Target uh, they had the big the nice sale going on where you buy two games you get a third one free and by the way PlayStation Four games were included in that so I bought Assassin's Creed Four and uh, shooting game great graphics dang it another one of a series too Shadow something. I don't know. I'm a really bad shooter. Um, anywho's, so I had to go and get the, so I had to go and get both Assassin's Creed and Shadow, whatever the hell it's called, and, and get, go get the other games that I hadn't played through of those. So they happen to have it there at Target for the Assassin's Creed. They had the, they had the disc with three, with all like three of them, like three of the five on one disc. So I got that. It's only twenty bucks, right? Little warning, boys and girls, it wants to install those games on your hard drive, and the PlayStation Three is slow at installing games. You might as well just. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go home and play these tonight. Uh-uh, no, no, mm-mm, no. Just just plan on letting that install, and then playing your DS, playing Zelda. You could probably get through that whole Zelda game by the time all three of them install. It, it's just sad. Uh, anywho, yeah. How did we get off on that? Oh yes. So go to listen to RPG Badger and RPG Cast, all at RPGamer.com, as well as read of all of our awesome reviews and all that other fun stuff. Um, if you have any comments, questions, and all that other fun stuff, you can reach me at jcservant at RPGamer.com or Mr. Meeky at Albert Odyssey at Hotmail.com. Help us shape our future shows with your comments and questions and such. We read them right here on the air, so to speak. You can follow us at Twitter.com/RPGamer. Become our biggest fans at Facebook.com/RPGamer. 
forward slash RP Gamer. We love it when you leave us five-star reviews at iTunes. So on behalf of Mike, Anna, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Thank you all for listening. Mr. Mike, put us to bed. I think we've already done that pretty well for ourselves. Good night, everybody. You can probably tell from what we said about the games which ones we recommend. Time to go to bed. Yeah, it's pretty late for you. I'm out of touch, out of time. Oh, wow.
situation is grave. Four armies are advancing upon us, and we would be hard-pressed to defeat one. I recommend surrender before we're annihilated. Mmm, nah. These armies are huge, but they each have a weakness we can exploit. For existence? <laughs> for existence? Um, Everything is for existence. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll file that under bloopers, and could we please try that again? Uh, uh